Welcome to Peeling the Onion Podcast. Guys, I want you to buckle up, bring out a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen. I want you to bookmark this episode. I'm telling you, this is like a dermatological, dermatological, how do you say that, Cheryl? Skin, all the skin things. All the skin things. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm trying to be too fancy. All I'm trying to say is you're in for a treat. Lauren is a physician's assistant in dermatology. She is a functional medicine practitioner and functional medicine student at the School for Applied Functional Medicine, where I also go to school. She is an amazing friend, an amazing practitioner with a lot of passion for helping people on their healing and health journeys, having amazing skin and deeply passionate also about toxicity, which we're going to dive into a bit today. So hold on to your britches. Get a pen and paper, like Nancy just said, because it is a brain warp of an episode. It really is, guys. And I would say if you're a parent or a person who's grappling with some tricky skin issues, she's also a practitioner who who you could possibly work with. But also, she's just going to drop some really great info bombs to help you navigate some of those doctor's visits. And if you're a practitioner, you I took away so much from this. So anyway, without further ado, here we go. Jumping in. Welcome to Peeling the Onion Podcast with Cheryl Passwater and Nancy Campbell. Join us in a range of experts as we explore the layers of physical, mental, and spiritual health and talk through ideas for how we can support your wellness journey. Let's jump in and peel the onion. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, Nancy. (laughs) How are you? Good. We're feeling so silly today. I don't know what it is. It is a silly kind of day, but I'm very excited because we have a special guest today. Ooh, who is she? Tell me more. All right. This is a near and dear person to me because we go to functional medicine school together and we live in geeks paradise together. And I may text with her more than some of half the people in my life in general. We have Lauren Jazak, who is an amazing practitioner in functional medicine. She's a physician's assistant in dermatology, and she is my go-to girl for all things skin. Ooh, gosh, what a deep pardon the, is there a pun there? Pardon for the win. Skin for the win or deep skin, <laughs> deep layers of skin. That's all, always what I think of is all the layers of skin that we have, which I'm sure we're going to get into because Lauren, as you have told me, is this great expert and sees so many things coming through her office all the time. I can't wait to, to pick her brain. So yes. yes, let's let's bring her in. Lauren, how are you? Hi. Hi, Cheryl Nancy. How are you guys doing? Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, baby. Ready to educate and, you know, inspire those out there that might have some skin issues on how they can better help themselves away from necessarily just conventional medicine. We can add some more natural holistic side. Absolutely. Yes. And for those of you who've been listening in, we've been coming off of a huge series on digestion essentials, how to heal the gut, support the gut and so forth. But we've also talked about how skin is the biggest organ in our body and how skin is really one of many ways that we can get signals that things are out of sorts, right? So acne and all all kinds of things that are happening. So Lauren, we would love to know, how did you get into skin? (laughs) 
<laughs> like why dermatology? Why skin? What happened? Right? Yeah, I know. It's it's always when you're in school, you might go in with some preconceived notions as to what you might want to do. And then while you're going through, you know, conventional medicine training, there might be something that piques your interest. And for me, Skin was something at the time that wasn't really in vogue like it is now. I've been a PA for 17 years. And back then, skin was kind of looked at this like, this creepy kind of, oh, you're going to touch feet or you're going to look at like weird rashes. And so when I was going through the training, I just found rashes fascinating because they really are a window into our internal, even on the conventional side, they are still considered a window in some instances, autoimmune rashes. We know that there's inflammation going inside the body before I even you know, ventured into the functional realm. So I was one of the few in the class that just thought that rashes were really neat to be able to be a detective. That's where I started my training. I really liked the technical aspect of surgery and I also liked rashes. So dermatology was a perfect fit. <laughs> I love that. I love <laughs> rashes. <laughs> They're fascinating. I've never put those words together, but I, I think it's lucky I've, for us. Yeah, and I've never gotten I've never gotten grossed out by touching stuff. And in Durham, certainly hands are all over everything. There's very yeah. few things that are contagious. Most people think that all rashes are contagious. And I'll, I'll, I'll touch someone and, and they'll just kind of feel like, oh, why are you touching me without gloves on? And we really do have to to really palpate and 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 know exactly the texture and the depth and the inflammation count and all of that is really important. There's so many factors that even under gloves, it's been hard during this time to protect ourselves with gloves and have to feel things. And I just, I kind of throw some of that caution to the wind because my patient is the most important in that aspect. So yeah, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was just wondering, so what, what led you down the path to functional medicine? And for just really quick, just as a reminder, like functional medicine is root cause medicine. For those of you who are listening, we've dug into it a little bit on our podcast, but, and Lauren and I go to functional medicine school together, which is um, very exciting. But what, what led you to functional medicine specifically? So there was always that conventional side that I, I I felt like I I was good. I was in a happy place. I was done with training. And actually, probably about six years ago, I had some patients that were psoriasis patients of mine that were trying different alternative, more natural modalities. And I remember thinking in my head when one told me that she was using lavender oil for her psoriasis, I really remember thinking, you are crazy. I really, really thought that in my head. So look at me six years later. I know, kind of crazy how life, you just got to bowl with it, right? You just got to take those twists and turns and, and that's the way you're supposed to land. Actually, it starts off with My mom ended up being diagnosed when I was 16 with cancer. Now we just thought that our family just had bad luck. There's, there's families that go through cancer issues. And, and that was the end of that. She ended up passing away while my, when I was pregnant with my first son, but that wasn't even the trigger for me. It was when my father a few years later was actually diagnosed with cancer. So after having one parent, you know, pass away, then you cling on to the other parent and you're just really worried about becoming an orphan at, at, I was 30 when my mom passed away. So the young age of 30, I was worried about that. So then when that happened, it was really like this, oh, it was kind of turned my life upside down. And and thankfully he's still alive and, and all is well on his side. But that really gave me this jolt to think about why did both my parents get cancer? And actually myself at 26, I ended up with melanoma in situ, which is the stage zero. Thankfully, I was on a place I could see. I knew it didn't look good. I had the training and I got it taken care of. But, you know, some people aren't that lucky. So three of us, three of us, 26, 42, and in his 60s, all had cancer. 
Wow. That didn't sit well with me. On top of that, all of my patients were coming in when I was doing a medical history on them. They would tell me, no, I might not have had cancer, but this person in my family has, or this person and every single person, there's someone who's impacted in their family that's had cancer. I, it's so rare to hear someone who doesn't have cancer running through their family. So that really bothered me too. So it was that culmination of my family and all of my patients telling me the same information that I really had to just figure out what is going on. This isn't just because we have better preventative measures these days in imaging. And I I just didn't buy that. So I really wanted to dig deep. So that's where I started to research into why this is all going on. Then on top of that, my uh, oldest son, Andrew, started with an incredible uptick of anxiety, just suddenly it was after a winter break. It was great. It was vacation, winter break. He comes back to school in kindergarten to start the spring semester. And it was just absolutely horrific. He uh, crying and anxious and and all of these emotions that he'd never really had before. So we found out that he actually had a a critical uh, deficiency of tryptophan. Then, then my symptoms started in my mid thirties with some coldness and some fatigue and something called Raynaud's where you get really white fingertips when you touch something cold. And I just didn't feel right. And I was asking my colleagues and going to them and getting lab work and everything was fine. You're fine. There's nothing to worry about. And I said, no, I don't buy this at all. Then one more thing happened. It was like, I don't know, a higher power was just telling me, look, come on, how many, how many different times do I have to tell you you need to look into this side of medicine? But my youngest son, he was the most hard hit. And 72 hours after getting a preventative medical measure, he could not talk. So he physically stopped talking at two and a half. He was, he was progressing beautifully. And then I walked into his room and he, all he could do was stutter. I knew his brain was on fire. At that point, I had already been exposed to functional medicine through my my hippie friend from college who introduced me to other natural modalities. But she she had already kind of laid that groundwork. And I, I realized, no, this is not some brain tumor. This is not, this didn't, things like this don't come on suddenly in the conventional realm. I, I know there's brain inflammation. I know this thing 72 earlier had triggered it. I just didn't know where what to do myself then. And then we started getting him help. And thank goodness he is back to, to speaking. Well, at probably six months it took for him to really get to speak well again, but we've, we've been able to reverse the vast majority of what was going on, but it turned out that I was super toxic when I was pregnant with him. And, and as we know, which I don't want to get up too much off topic, but there's 286 plus chemicals in cord blood. So all of the things that I'd been exposed to, he'd been exposed to, he's a much smaller human being and whatever additional toxins he had been exposed to, he was also arsenic poisoned and glyphosate poisoned at two and a half. He hadn't even set much foot outside to get enough glyphosate in his system. So obviously it was coming from me. And that's kind of where that was the final straw. It was like, all right, I, I just need to, I need to go into this. And that's where it's been. It's a great plug too, for those of you who are wanting to understand more about things like glyphosate and Dr. Stephanie Senna from her book, Toxic Legacy is a great place to start just for those of you who are wanting to sort of start digging into some of those things. And we see this commonly like in our practices. And you said you just came off of your gut series and glyphosate is like an atom bomb to your gut. It really opens up that gate more so than a lot of other toxins. And I remember learning that from the practitioner that we, we went to when we found out that that's what he had as well, complicating things. Mm. 
Yeah. It's a powerful it's, story though, for also just looking at all the signals and all the triggers and all the bells going off and like the pinball machine of ding, 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 ding. Hey, hey, Lauren, by the way, this is all, yeah. these are all big red flags. And something that we really try to reiterate here on this podcast is that we are all different. Our bodies are all exposed differently in, from the time of conception, right? To, to our, absolutely. Hourly, so, yeah. Can- Yeah. In conventional medicine, we always pride ourselves on being, looking at the the most recent and and the most scientifically backed studies. And they have to have these large sample sizes, hundreds, thousands of people in these registries. And that's where our valid conclusions come from. Well, guess what? It's, It's really incredible as a conventional practitioner initially to then hear, wait a minute, you look at functional medicine and yes, there are studies but you cannot, it's not the same. Like you, everyone is that sample size of one. We truly are. We didn't all grow up in the same household with the same childhood, with the same influences, with the same exact chemicals around us, farmland or urban settings. We all grew up in a different way and we all processed our emotions differently. So when you look at this sample size of people, it doesn't even make sense because everyone's being impacted. And all of these toxins too, when they do do some of these studies, if we're talking to talk about toxins, they're doing them in isolation. We don't live in isolation. We don't just get hit from one chemical at a time. Right. So a lot of this seems pretty invalid to me, which is crazy to say after my training. Well, and it's really critical that we all recognize that all of these things are trauma in the body. And hopefully we're going to do some episodes on trauma and the few down here, down the road and down the line, but that trauma looks a lot of different ways. We often think as trauma is like somebody passed away or trauma is, and we don't think about getting poisoned by toxicity as a trauma in the body. So, I mean, and that's, yeah, sorry, that might be something that's hard for people to hear or to, to kind of wrap their head around. So I was pregnant, I was 16 weeks pregnant with my oldest son when my mom passed away. Incredibly traumatic experience. So he he brought some of that in. So his toxic level could be, yes, it could be chemical toxins, but it could be my emotional toxicity at the time. And then there's also generational stuff. My background, think of the things that have happened to my ancestors. We tr- There is a lot of that that we pass forward in our DNA. So again, that's yeah. not skin, but it's important to know that. <laughs> well, it's important and all these things impact the gut and what happens yeah. in the gut does not stay in the gut. And so leaky gut, leaky skin, leaky right. sinuses, leaky brain, leaky, everything becomes leaky, which skin is a big part of that because it is our biggest organ. Organ. So, you know, what are some of the main things that you see that are happening with our skin and the gut yeah. and so forth? Yeah. So, I mean, it's what you said exactly the gut skin access. So the gut microbiome in a lot of inflammatory conditions influence the skin via release of these metabolites and other factors. So, so yes, there's absolutely a gut skin connection. There is the microbiome and we think of the microbiome just being related to gut, but the skin has its own microbiome as well as other mucous membranes have their own microbiome. So really important to remember that. And that's why it's, it's great to see that products are coming out now, moisturizers and just more treatment types of products that have probiotics in them to apply directly to the skin because we know there are certain bacteria that are prevalent on the skin, like cornybacterium, cutibacterium, which used to be called proprium bacterium. So we used to be very mindful of like acne and what, what bacteria was at a prevalence in those that had more inflammatory acne, which was called P acnes, which is that proprio bacterium. Now we call it cutibacterium. So, and staph, staph, 
Staphylococcus, Staph aureus is the most common, but Staphylococcus as a species. So those three are what dominate our, our health three microbiome. But when we have other influences, there's other ones that we could talk about later. And, and that's why we need to have certain bacteria, probiotics like lactobacillus and bifidobacter that are put back on the skin to help kind of calm it down. Yeah, I yeah. think this is a really important point, actually. I, I I can hearken back to me being a teenager, trying my damnedest to sterilize the hell out of my face. You know what I mean? The, the, the whole idea that like, I'm going to strip all the oils and I need to yep. dry this out. And the only solution is like whatever bugs and bacteria and dirt, it's just dirty. The whole For thing sure. is dirty. And that's what's causing all my pimples and 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 my neuroses around how I looked. And especially during my peak hormonal times, as I was getting starting my menses and getting through the process of of puberty. But man, it's so good. It's such a relief. And I think such a valuable asset to our youth and, and, and folks who are struggling with acne to have this conversation. So, mm-hmm. so what you're saying, Lauren, is that we don't need to sterilize the face. That yeah. would be a, that would be the worst thing that we could do or harmful right. to the, like the natural dynamics of what we're doing. And yeah, I mean, if there's some overgrowth, then we, we want to control that. But we, yeah, we certainly don't want to strip because that just costs a whole other host of issues for sure. Removing that oil just makes. I'll, I I think of it as shingles on a roof. When I talk to my patients and clients, shingles on a roof. And when the shingles open up, so like think about the little skin cells being the shingles. So when they open up, that's when there is a risk for the leakiness or the rain to come in the roof or the bacteria to come in or the fungus to come into the skin. And that's what causes things like cellulitis and those types of more deeper skin infections. So that's just a way that I try to explain to them. That's I love that analogy. We, I, this past week, our episode actually on the microbiome just came out. And so we talk about this and I actually talk about even things like hand sanitizer. And I'm like, you could pour all the hand sanitizer in the world on everything, but ultimately the microbes will still win, but it does strip everything good and bad on your skin. And it's like, take it and throw it in the trash. It's it's not helping you, you know, there's so many other alternatives and and better antibacterials if you're concerned about that. But I I love using an essential oil blend, cinnamon, clove, eucalyptus, rosemary, lemon. And I use that with witch hazel and a little bit of isopropyl alcohol and distilled water. And that is when I'm not in my medical office, then that's, that's what I use on my hands. So yeah. Yeah. I crack a probiotic uh, pill in some water with a little, little pinch of sugar and I drop her that on my hands. Ah, Great. microbes Right back in. That's right. Miss fermenter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's the one that's got all this. Right. So yeah, I mean, exactly. And and that's where these probiotic infused uh, topical medications out. That's a lot of people are just cracking open certain like spore-based probiotics, or or like I said, the the lactobacillus bifidobacterium um, combo, and just putting that in and mixing it in with moisturizer or water and, and really helping to soothe the skin that way. So let's talk about the six different ways and causes of imperfect skin. So how our skin can kind of go awry um, and just... I don't want to say betray us in any way because there, it's not, it's telling us there's something there. It's cluing us into something being an issue, right? Yeah. We'll say it that way. So yeah. first is, is inflammation. There can be skin inflammation and there can be gut inflammation, skin triggers, UV radiation, allergens, irritating soaps and cosmetics. The gut triggers can be fungus, viruses, parasites, bacteria, histamines, toxins, food allergens, and food sensitivities or intolerances, which you guys I'm sure have talked about, but there's a 
big difference between allergens and sensitivities. Allergens, you'll get to, to test in conventional medicine. Sensitivities and intolerances, we don't have that possibility in conventional medicine. That's where you'd have to go the functional realm. Also medications. So wherever the body um, sees a threat going on, then certainly it's trying to build up inflammation to mount a response to protect you against it. So same thing happens on the skin. Like we talked about, both have a microbiome, so it can happen simultaneously or it can happen one and then the other. Um, but anytime we do see skin issues, I do counsel patients that there is likely some kind of imbalance going on inside that's causing inflammation or some kind of trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I'm well, sure it- we see that a lot, right? In our practices. Yeah. Yes. And, and in fact, it's such a big leap for so for most people, I think, I think we don't yeah. understand. And, and this is going back to my teenage, you know, brain and, and also the view of like what advertising and what ads were, were trying to tell me is like, yes. if, if I buy these products, cause it's all, it's all just topical, right. it's all right. outside going in. Right. And I, I'm, I, I know no one can see me right now visually, but I'm like, like hand coming to face, right? Like the world is coming to my skin when, when in actuality, right. Lauren, I mean, most of our biggest exposure to the outside world is actually through our gut, like through the 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 layers of our gut, which go then and, and, and express ourselves out through our skin. Is that how mm-hmm. you describe yeah. it? Yes, but at the same time, we actually have more protection when we ingest something and when we inhale something, we have more protection through the filter mechanisms of our lungs and of our actual gut than we do from our skin. So we've been taught and it was, it was huge. It was a huge eye opener for me because I used to say the skin's a barrier. You have to use this to, to protect the barrier. Well, guess what? It's not a barrier. It's actually a sponge. Right. So our skin is a giant mouth and anything that we put on our skin is going to directly go into our bloodstream. There yep. is no filter. There is no way to actually filter out things in the same way as you would think, oh, by eating it and by inhaling it, it would be worse off for me. But putting something on your skin is so much worse off if it's something that could be detrimental and have chemicals in it that we don't want, which is a whole nother topic. I am very passionate about toxicity. Yes. Because of what we've gone through, but you have to look up, you have to go on ewg.org and you have to look up the most, you know, toxic chemicals to our bodies. So Fragrance is one. Fragrance is a huge one because it's in really everything. It's so pervasive. If you look at all of your products, your cleaning products, your personal hair care products, your makeup, everything, right? Every mm-hmm. single thing has fragrance in it. Oh, but it's it's got this lovely nature packaging and it and it says 100% yep. natural and pure, which is all BS because that's called greenwashing. And if you're not familiar with that, you need to look up what greenwashing is so you can protect yourself because the front of the package is the lie. The back of the package is the truth. So mm-hmm. look at the actual chemicals <laughs> on the back. And make sure that it doesn't say fragrance because that is a proprietary blend of hundreds to even thousands of chemicals that can really be harming you, but the company doesn't ever have to tell you what's in there. So get rid of the fragrance. And, and yeah, so that's another, you know, huge one. So you're putting things on and you might think it's natural and you might think it's healthy, but then it has this fragrance and it's directly going into your bloodstream. EWG for all of you guys who don't know is the environmental working group and and they are a huge resource who are doing 
like the God's work of helping us sort through our products in this world, they have a ranking system. They have a ranking system for what what to eat in terms of produce versus non-organic and organic, and, and then also how to source and make decisions about everything from baby butt cream to your laundry detergent. So yes. something to really go to. So thank you, Lauren, for making that mention. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And there's also the Think Dirty app. For those of you out there, Mm. there's an app that you can just download on your phone called Think Dirty. You can scan your products. And also, I really love all the work by Laura Adler is a really Mm -hmm. good resource as well when you're trying to clean that stuff out. Awesome. Yeah. I think she's, what's her Instagram handle? It's like environmental nerd, toxin nerd, nerd, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She's great. Yeah. She has really good information there. So, so definitely make sure that you're cleaning out. And I recommend when you're cleaning out and I have this conversation with clients about toxin removal, start with uh, different rooms in your house. So to make it not so, you know, so just, it doesn't become overwhelming to you. Make sure that you just, I think the bathroom and the kitchen are the, are the best places to start. But if we're talking obviously about skin now, the bathroom would be the best, best place with your uh, personal care products and your, your showering, washing materials, and also your makeup. Awesome. Berkey makes a water, a shower filter that you can just put right on your shower and filters out the fluoride and a lot of the toxicity for those of yeah. you out there. Yeah. All right. How about I go to number two now? That's the microbiome disturbance. So like I discussed before, the friendly bacteria in our uh, gut is mostly this lactobacillus and bifidobacterium. Of course, there's tons more. And I don't ever want to say that there's bacteria that are bad. It just means that they over, there's an overgrowth. We've, we've, there's a, a phrase kind of coined by our educator, the bullies on the playground, which I love, because just think about those that are, are making more of an impact, maybe in a negative way, uh, maybe bullying all the other little bacteria, but really there's so much going on. It's this whole other world that's going, it's like a sci-fi movie, what's going on in our gut and in our immune system. So we really need to just make sure that we have that friendly bacteria that's crowding out the peacemakers. We have them on the playground telling the bullies to like, just chill out. Right. So the, the bacteria, the yeast and the viruses, we, we just want to keep them in balance. Our bodies are meant to be in balance. They always want to be there, this homeostasis that it always wants to achieve. So it, it does want to get there, but exposures to toxins, medications, stress, alcohol, gluten, infections, those are all things that can negatively impact the microbiome um, as a whole. So we just really need to, to bring those down and, and it maybe bring them back in on like a 90, 10 rule. So that 10% that you're going out and having fun and being carefree and eating pizza and doing those things and, and drinking beer fine. But the vast majority of the time, you really need to just make sure that you're, you're limiting your exposures. Yeah. The, the third one. Yep. Go ahead. No, I just, and, amen, yeah, okay. sister. Keep okay. going. <laughs> The third one is oxidative damage, and that can be external from the UV rays, which generates free radicals. And when the free radicals exceed the skin's amount um, of natural antioxidant support, because we all do have a level of antioxidants in our skin, in our gut, but when it exceeds that, then that's when the damage occurs. So we think about with our skin, we think about premature aging and sunburns and inflammation and skin cancer. So that's when we don't have enough antioxidants to quench those free radicals that are kind of out there spinning on their own not coupled with that antioxidant. Aging itself is an oxidative stress. And it's because we, we lose our innate skin and internal antioxidant protection while we age, which can lead to dryness of skin, loss of collagen, elasticity, and, and, and the development of those finer uh, wrinkles, finer and deeper wrinkles at times. So the internal 
oxidative damage that happens again is from toxins, but also dietary choices. And that can lead us down the chronic disease path. So again, I know you guys talked about that before, but really we, so many of us in society think we're eating healthy when it might be something that we're cutting out, or we might just not be buying something that's ultra processed, but even the processed foods, there's some hidden synonyms of sugars and of glutens and things that can really trip you up when you're trying to be really pure and clean. So the best is really to, to focus on the whole foods, what you can actually see in front of you and identify vegetables first, meats and fats, and then your, your berries and some other types of fruits. Yeah, Can we talk about anti-aging for a second while we were there? Sure. I feel like it's such yeah. a hot topic. I mean, all of us are in our forties and here we are. So I think it's really important again, going back from a, you know, media standpoint, right? We're being fed that it's coming right. from the outside. I mean, son, right. I, I think by this point, most people understand that wearing an SPF daily, if not especially when exposed to high amounts of sun is going to help you reduce aging. But I think I, I wanted I want to get your view on is this an internal game or an external game or a balance of both? I think it's I mean there, I think there's a balance, but I do think it's more internal than external. Like, unless you're really unless you're just really throwing caution to the wind and being careless with your sun exposure, then I really do think it's more internal. As far as external, honestly, like it might be blasphemy to hear, but I don't wear sunscreen all the time. Vitamin D is more important to make sure that we're getting our vitamin D unprotected out of those harmful hours of the sun from 10 to 2. But certainly being unprotected, if you're going to be out for hours on end in a hot Texas sun like Cheryl and I just recently were, it's, right. it's something that's different and you should really be protecting yourself. But other than that, you, you need to know your skin and how much your skin can tolerate versus just relying on a vitamin D supplement. You want to make sure that you're really getting the sun. Early morning hours would be great for for this purpose to, to make sure we're keeping our internal gate closed. So you know we want to make sure that we're getting adequate vitamin D to close those the gates of our gut and keeping them closed so we don't have those immune reactions inside. But we also just want to make sure that you're synthesizing your vitamin D without that protection of sunscreen on top because it, that is going to be a blocker. And, and when you're wearing sunscreen though, you want to make sure that it's a non-nanoparticle. So nanoparticles are really super small and really are able to very easily get into the, into the bloodstream. Whereas the non-nano, the larger particles can sit more on the skin and there'll be less absorption. Right, um, titanium dioxide and zinc oxide are the two chemicals that are physical barriers that you'd want to use when you are out there for longer periods of time. Um, and you don't want to use any of the O's. Oh, 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 no, is what I say. So oxybenzone and all of the O types of chemicals and even some of the other ones, that those, they actually call, tend to cause more irritants and reactions. I see a, a lot of that. But just sticking with the tried and true titanium and zinc, those are the two chemicals to think about when you are, but I, I honestly, I don't wear sunscreen on a daily basis. I even go out, you know, and do my, do my uh, walks during the day. And I just make sure I might wear a hat for protection of my face. I think that's very important, but you know, I still want to get that also in the morning. If you're going to go out, then you're it's, that would be great. The sunlight, the early morning sunlight would be great for circadian rhythm balance as well. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. That is, yeah, that is super sure. helpful. 
Yeah, we're on number four. So blood sugar issues. Glucose is our primary fuel in the body. And when it's consumed in excess, the body can't utilize it all. So it binds to, it can bind to our skin's collagen and elastin. I don't think people knew that. Um, And that can induce skin damage, which is through a process called glycation. And we've heard of glycation before because there are these chemicals, prooxidant types of reactants that are advanced glycation end products, which can happen from like the blackened grill marks, the charred food, the burnt ends that people like to eat on meats. And also when you're roasting and grilling veggies, all that blackened area that really does speed up the aging process. And it can cause skin to become less elastic and more red and cracked and disrupted glucose an increase in glucose. Also, you don't have to be diabetic, but if you have an increase in glucose, it is increasing your insulin. So you're becoming insulin resistant and that insulin resistant, and that can also increase the sebum on your skin. So it's making your skin oilier and potentially uh, more breakouts. Wow. Okay. That makes a lot yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. Is, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just thinking of all those like, like greasy, lovey teenagers that are eating crap food. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're all just very high, high glycemic load food and and stress. Like glucose doesn't just come from food. It's our stress in our life and our cortisol on a constant basis. So fifth nutritional deficiencies are macros like fats, carbs, and proteins and our micros like vitamins and minerals could be deficient. And 70% of our population is magnesium deficient alone. That's just one mineral we're talking about because of topsoil erosion, but especially iron and B vitamins like B12 and B2, they cause a skin disruption around the mouth. So whenever I see someone that has an issue with cracks around their mouth or having blisters or or just irritation, it could be an allergic contact dermatitis to their toothpaste, most likely. There are chemicals in conventional toothpaste, cinemates that we call them, that could be an allergen there, but it can also be one of these B vitamins that they're deficient in. And in conventional medicine, when we're going to test for that, we're going to test a serum B12 or a serum riboflavin, which is going to tell us how much of that B vitamin is in the pool. I talk about it as inner tubes and and a swimming pool. So the swimming pool is the plasma. It's the external fluid that our cells are swimming around with. And the, and the red blood cells are the inner tube. Like think about it. They do actually look like an inner tube if you're sitting in one. So that's how I I explain it to my patients and clients that we need to look at the red blood cell um, actual marker. So we need to make sure that we're seeing what's getting into the cell, not just what's out into the little pool. Mm-hmm. Vitamin A, zinc, and essential fatty acids like our omegas, um, if we're deficient in those, that that's what can lead to that keratosis pilaris or chicken skin. And that is really, really prevalent. And that tends to be on the upper arms, the backs of the upper arms. That's the most common. It can be on the face. I see it sometimes on like the lower cheeks of kids, especially. But I also see those that have this keratosis pilaris tend to be more sensitive skinned and they tend to have allergies and they have eczema. So that's exactly telling us that they're going down that hypervigilant immune system path. So they're having these maybe nutrient deficiencies that has started this progression for them. The other thing is essential fatty acids like omegas. Certainly if we're not hydrated, if we're not hydrated with water, but we're also not, our skin cells aren't lubricated and they're not hydrated, then chronically dry skin and dandruff can take place. So that's those those can occur. And that's where we see skin findings from those nutrient deficiencies. Mm -hmm. Lastly, 
is the hormonal imbalances. And our hormones are derived from amino acids, cholesterol, and phospholipids that are in our cell layer or outer cell layer. And biochemical messengers, they are biochemical messengers that are used to allow that endocrine system to speak to other parts of our body. Like they're the messengers there within themselves and also through other parts of the body. Imbalances, especially in the adrenal hormones like DHEA and cortisol, thyroid, melatonin, and our sex hormones, we know them as estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, they they really can make an impact on the skin. If we're if we're seeing just those they're off, that's that's gonna potentially cause those downstream impacts on on the skin from the gut barrier being being off, the skin barrier will be off. So melatonin and DHEA are actually in the skin and they play a protective role. So yeah, there is, they've been, they've been found in the skin, which is pretty cool to know. Like we're sequencing our genome. It's kind of like finding out exactly what our skin is made up of. And I really love what I'm, what I just mentioned there, the six actual phases here. I, I took a lot of my information and my training from um, Dr. Trevor Cates. She's a naturopath and she's specialized in skin And I just, I love her material. It's really great. It's easy for our clients to digest, for us to kind of wrap our head around some different principles. And she has a book called Clear Skin from Within. So that's something that people can look into as well. Thank you for that. That is like a a slice of supercharged info. Thank you so much. I've I've learned a lot just just in a matter of of five minutes. So thank you. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're dying to know, you have, you've spilled a lot of beans about some very common things that you see in the office that come through the door. And so can you, we want to, I think eczema, psoriasis, or Mm -hmm, some of the the most common and frustrating to, to treat from our kids to us and even like adult onset. So if you could address, can, can you talk about like, kid skin can like helping kids with the psoriasis eczema dynamic and then maybe thinking about adults and and adult onset of some of these conditions i'd love to kind of differentiate it may not be any different but there's not there really there really isn't much in the way of a difference it's just kind of with eczema there can be depending if you're looking at your family lineage that's there's definitely a genetic component to that but we we know that with genetics it doesn't have to play as much of a role as as we've been told that it it does there's epigenetics which is turning off and on these switches so from your lifestyle choices including your diet heavily related to skin issues, if you're doing the right thing, that you're going to turn off a lot of these genes. And a huge one with with acne, psoriasis, eczema, dairy becomes a big concern. And I know we've been told that milk does your body good. And and it's it was something that was so hard for me to wrap my head around when I was told by my hippie friend from college <laughs> that she's like, why don't you start to limit the, when I was telling her about what was going on with, with our kids, why don't you start to limit, limit the milk and maybe replace it with other non-milks, which, you know, is a better choice. And I just didn't understand that until I looked into it more. And it really is. Dairy is a huge, you know, inflammatory uh, vehicle for, for skin conditions. And I find that there was actually a dermatologist at Dartmouth that spent his entire career on the correlation between acne and dairy. 
Yeah. So he's been retired for some time. I, I was able to yeah meet him and, and listen to him talk. And it was fascinating, but that was way before he was way before his time because this is, this is just becoming a thing that we can talk about conventionally too. So yeah, with kids, I would definitely start off with considering maybe just different types of milks, not looking at, at, having them pasteurized. And there's a lot that you could do there, but just considering that identifying the non-milks, if, if you can substitute those, but there's different, there's different vitamins that are in that. And sometimes there's D2 that's in there versus the D3 that we really want. So, so there's some more to, to navigate there, but thinking about that with psoriasis and eczema, it's, it's really, the crosstalk between the cancer on the skin and these T cells, our, our immune system, our cell mediated T cells, there's pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory. And it, with, especially with psoriasis, the initiation of disease is thought to be either self or like a microbial component to it. And the inflammation cascade is from several different interleukins within the immune system. Also this TNN, TNF alpha. So if you've heard of like the biologics that are being discussed and advertised, like Humira is a TNF alpha um, inhibitor. And so is Embrel. Those are the big, those are the first ones that came out. So it's basically trying to turn off those inflammatory, you know, responses in the immune system. So, which, you know, I get there's a place for them for sure. I have patients that are, are devastated by this condition, but if we could do a combination approach of an integration of these lifestyle choices and really bringing down the stress levels and bringing down the inflammatory foods and the heavily processed foods and taking out the, the really toxic oils that, that are just so, toxic laden that we all think about that everything's been cooked in. Certainly when you go out to eat, they are, they're cooked in these things and just getting down to the simplicity of coconut oil, which is anti-inflammatory avocado oil. Those are two that you can cook at with really high heat instead of using these others. And then also olive oil. If you could just use those three, that, that alone will massively impact the skin just with its hydration, but also with decreasing the burden of disease that's going on. But we do see quite a bit of difference in the bacteria and the microbiome of the skin when we talk about these different conditions. So like with psoriasis in particular, there's an increase in bacteroides. And what's so cool is we can see through stool testing that we do on the functional realm, but we can see and qualify and quantify what is going on, what we see colonized. So we see this bacteroides go up. We also see the formicides and some other types of bacteria that will go down with atopic dermatitis. We might see that E. coli and Shigella could go up. We also see clostridium, certain strands of that could. So it's really cool. They've been able to, in recent years, we're seeing, and there's more studies like constantly coming out because it's just, it's just such a hot topic right now. And we really want to to get this nailed down where what bacteria are, are causing the, the overgrowth that are causing the disease and, or dis-ease and how can we use certain topicals and use certain probiotics to calm that down and bring things back into balance. Acne, acne has a little bit different of a composition too. There's the, they're seeing a lower, a lower incidences of bifidobacterium, which is what we talked about before and lactobacillus as well as formicides, but also there's an increase in proteobacteria and bacteroides. So, so yeah. lots of, lots of things that we can do on the functional side to really look at it and say, you, you might be dealing with this now, or if we don't fix things, you might be at risk for dealing with these certain conditions. Wow. It's sort of amazing because what it reminds me of, and I was sitting here thinking about it and I'm like, we're all like the children of the eighties, 
<laughs> like all three yeah. of us. Oh yeah. And it's like, and if you think about it, I'm like, wow, Stridex wipes, the D dogs and the ho-hos and all the junk food and vegetable oil. St. Ives, St. Ives apricot scrub. I think oh, we all yeah. use that. Yeah. Uh, Neutrogen, <laughs> right. Neutrogen, like all the, yeah. I mean, the all the things. Accutane, like how many of our yeah. girlfriends were, or, or even yeah. boys, like they were doing Accutane, mm-hmm. like when mm-hmm. you start kind of pulling all these things together and I'm like, oh my gosh, the low fat fad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get in our brains. So, right. That was in my, fat. in my house. Yeah, for yeah. sure. We yeah. were all... margarine. We had a bucket of, of, yep. you could never have butter. Yeah, no. exactly. You can never have butter. Absolutely. That was like the devil. I remember it was always, my mom was always on either Nutrisystems or Weight Watchers, or it was, there was always yeah. something that she was dealing with, which is a whole other <laughs> issue, which, you know, that kind of thing then trickles down a little bit. So watch, watch what your kids are watching. You do honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I was um, also going to say that we were also the generation of, of having a lot of menstrual issues that were being resolved with early prescription of birth control. Well, yeah. Midal and birth control. Mydol. Advil. Yeah. Totally. Those are big. Yeah. I mean, I was on a regimen of Advil for a long uh-huh. time and then yeah. on birth yeah. control at the age of 16. So, so that's know, what, yeah, like, we're talking about exactly. We're talking about there. Those are holes in our gut that potentially could have been made by our at the NSAIDs, the Advil and the Midol, but also the birth control, which depletes a lot of different vitamins, especially B6, which is so crucial for so yeah. many enzymes. But yeah, the one other condition I wanted to make sure we brought up, which isn't one that is um, really discussed heavily. It's kind of, I don't, I wouldn't say it's hidden. Well, it is physically it's hidden. It's called hydradenitis separativa. And what this condition deals with, it's an inflammation of the hair follicles in the different skin folds of the body. So think about your underarms, under your breasts, under, you know, the skin fold in your abdomen or your groin creases. So yes, they're hidden from plain sight, but they're certainly not hidden from those that are impacted by it. There's an occlusion from the follicles and an activation of an inflammation cascade called the mTOR pathway. And there's boils that happen. There's cysts. They can drain, they can scar. I mean, it's just, I remember from when I started as an early derm PA, looking at this condition, thinking, how am I going to help these patients with what I had? But also just, I felt like I needed to do more. I just really wanted to impact them in a way that I just didn't feel like we had a great option in conventional medicine. I, to this day, I still put a lot of antibacterial washes conventionally on these patients or topical antibiotic gels and even long courses of antibiotics. Like they, some of them that are really flaring, if they're not candidates for Humira is actually the one of biologic that's approved for, for HS. And there's so much more coming down the pike, which is great conventionally, but you know, these patients can stay on conventional antibiotics, which is just decimating your microbiome. So these patients, they have, they're at risk for other conditions, cardiovascularly, psychosocially, inflammatory bowel, especially Crohn's, PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome and and metabolic issues. Definitely. There's a big um, correlation between insulin resistance and this condition too. So if they're overweight already, dysbiosis is likely there's the skin changes that happen, staph and Prevotella and, and other species. And it's interesting if you look at like a stool test, like, like we do in the functional side, if you're looking at, there's a certain, the Saccharomyces cerevisiae, if you see that, then there's a big predictor that removing yeast can be very helpful for them. 
so that's kind of cool to know, like if you're looking at one particular presence there, then maybe if you go in this direction with their, with their dietary choices, that could really be helpful. Also a higher zinc and, and some other modalities that we can use on a more holistic side has been very helpful for patients, for clients and the, the types of materials that they wear is important too, because they might be dealing with drainage and some of them really like the camis with the shelf bras. So that's tight to their skin, but they can also put a pad like a, for, to help with leakage. I mean, I just, my heart breaks for those that deal with this. So helping them to really turn back and, and remove the layers of the dysfunction and get back to the root cause and really help to wipe that out. So they're living their best life and not having to deal with all these extraneous issues. And, and imagine if you went out and you had to think about, oh my gosh, am I going to get a wet spot on my pants because I have a draining lesion and people are going to think I might've urinated myself. I mean, that's awful. So that's really where my passion lies. Wow. Wow. Helping others. I know. And thank you. I mean, you have, you have just like doused us with so much information. (laughs) You have given us such a lot to chew on. I'm taking away the reiteration that it is a inside game and an outside game. It's this constant balance between the two. At its core, though, we have to remember that the skin is a sponge and that we we have a lot more barriers internally than we do externally. And that is that is huge. That is huge when I think about my five-year-old. That uh-huh. is huge when I think about myself in, in, in the line of work that I do. I, I work in a, a commercial kitchen and I have to use certain chemicals. I have to be around them. It's just uh-huh. part of health code. <laughs> so, but how do I take care of myself? How do I not get lazy and and own those gloves so that I really kind of help protect myself and my, my gut and my hormone system. So thank you. I, I, Cheryl, I know, I know you have some takeaways, although a lot of this is, is stuff that you guys are covering in school, but it is been huge for me. What are you taking away today? I mean, my mind is still blown. I'm always learning. It's a good reminder. We're all always learning new things. I was actually, the chicken skin was really fascinating um, to me. so common. It is so common. I used to say, oh, it's a normal variant of skin. That used to be like part of my discussion with, with patients. And I'm like, I mean, it really is. It's, I see so much of it that it really is kind of a normal variant, but it's abnormal. Like it's normal because it's our unhealthy lifestyle choices and and the standard Western diet and everything else, but it really shouldn't be there. And I found for myself, because I actually have it and, and I got quite a bit more after I was pregnant, which now learning about what we've, we've learned through the functional side, it's crazy to think, okay, what was that trigger for me? What really exploded it for me? But infrared sauna use has been huge for me. And that's really melted mine away along with making sure that my nutrients are, are up to speed. Yeah. Well, it's a good, it's also, we've talked so much about toxicity and also like, we need to be talking about like, how do we detox? You know, that it's necessary that everybody is having, and we've, and this comes back to our gut episodes also like optimal bowel movements and that we are sweating every day and that we are moving our bodies and we have to be clearing out and there's other supplemental and nutraceutical things that we can use to help clear the body as well. And it's like, we can't hide from all the glyphosate in the world. We can't hide from all the heavy metals and the fluoride. Like there's always going to be some, but you know what? You do your damn best to like clear out what you can. And it's just, and that also these things that we think are not a big deal are a big deal. They're they're the signals from the body, right? 
I would implore for, for those women that are listening for themselves and for their young daughters, especially as women, we put on so many more products than men do that I have all boys in my house, the estrogen, <laughs> the estrogen in the house that I, I make sure that they have their soap and their shampoo. But I know younger and younger girls want to play with their mother's makeup. They want to start using their own products. So really, really start and, and educate and empower your daughter to make those choices because we're seeing this whole infertility wave and we're seeing so many issues with you know polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so much of this is stemming from these choices. So I really would, would recommend that you look into organic, very clean, even small batch. If you can, there, there's some great companies out there. I love Laurel Plant Organics for my skincare. That's one that I really love from Northern California. And they send you a handwritten note. I love, I love those types of companies, but do your best to make, you know, those choices wise for yourself and have, have her watch you and, and explain to her why you're doing these things and how it's going to help actually her in the future and her and the future generations of your family. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great tip. It is a great tip. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to say that it makes me remember back to the diaper days of Uh letting air do its trick. Like just air it out sometimes will help prevent the overuse of all the diaper creams and all the things that are irritating those sweet babies' butts. But yeah, we, we want to make sure that like, especially in those like precious little areas, like in, like in, for, for our precious little girls with those precious parts, we need to make sure we're not overwhelming them. They're super sensitive. And non-aluminum deodorant. That is Amen. the first thing because they will... Yeah. They will start deodorant most likely or want to start it before they're really into heavily into other products. But deodorant, oh my goodness, like the correlation between the heavy metals and, and what we're seeing being sopped up into the breast tissue. Please, yes. please, 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 please. There are crystals. You could try that yeah. first. I think that's a great way for little girls to start because they don't have body odor yet. They're not going through puberty yet. So one, a crystal would be super cool for them to use. And then you could move on to other, you know, non-toxic and you won't find antiperspirant and we're supposed to sweat. We're supposed to sweat. It's just, it's not supposed to be stinky. That's all. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's, that's the key. Yes. Thank you. This is such a huge takeaway. And I would encourage everybody listening to just put, to put, to bookmark this episode, go back to it. There's, I think what's even more valuable, and this is something that, that we've talked about already, is that being armed to walk into your dermatologist's office with some some vocabulary, with having done a little bit of research, with having been able to wrap your head around what's, what's happening in your household and looking at triggers. Lauren has just given you a huge dose of really great resources to help you walk in and have a, a really productive conversation. Um, um- Coming from a, me- a medical p- provider's perspective and the way that we should all be operating at, on this side of, of the yeah. desk of the prescription pad is make sure that you go in and you feel comfortable with that provider. And if you don't, don't stick with them. It's it, You have to be your own advocate. I've been on both sides now. And to see, I just... I've heard from, from patients on that side that say, I'm so glad I come to you, yada, yada, but, but also they might talk about just how they felt uncomfortable. And, and I'm sure people on there, and I'm not perfect. I'm sure they've said it to other providers about me too, but whoever you jive with, whoever you gel with, that's who you want to be, you know, in your corner and to be that advocate for you. But you ultimately have to be an advocate for yourself and for your kids and for your parents, whoever you're taking care of, because Unfortunately, the way the medical model is now, we can do our darndest, we can do our best, but we're still seeing patients in a very regimented, 
20 minute sessions day in and day out. And, and you need to be doing the, the legwork and making sure that things are getting counted for and your, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and, and all of that. But just make sure you're in that relationship that you feel comfortable with. And if not, move on to someone else. Honestly, like that's what you should be doing. And, and I just don't want people to feel like they have allegiance, kind of sometimes like hairdressers, <laughs> that allegiance <laughs> to your medical provider. Like we feel like oh, we got to stick with this person. They're going to find out that we switched. Do what's best for you, honestly. Just make sure you do that. Yeah, I think it's too too intimate, like of a relationship. Uh, honestly, yeah. I think that is what's so important. So yes, I agree. Definitely. Um, yeah. So thank you. How can we find you, or how can how can someone learn more about your your work and your practice, or or even get in touch with you? Definitely. So I do work for a medical system and everything I've talked about is not the views of theirs. It's only of mine alone, but you can find me personally on the web at www.laurenzajak.com. It's Z-A-J-A-C. So laurenzajak.com slash coaching is an opportunity. If you go to that side of my, my site, that's an opportunity to have anyone listening, a free 15 minute kind of curiosity call to see how I can help you personally. So you can learn more about what I do, helping those with skin conditions. I'm here for you guys. I love doing this work. It's really why I went into medicine. Those of us that go conventionally truly help people. We have that altruistic side of us. We want to be those healers. But for me, I found so much, you know, joy and purpose on this side, being able to actually physically help those reverse those root causes and not just tend to put stuff on to help in the meantime. And again, there's a compliment of both. It's not one or the other. But so Instagram at Lauren Zajac Health as well. And I am going to, there's going to be an opportunity for anyone listening in the show notes here. I do have a five simple ways to heal your skin from within workbook that is going to be open for you guys to, to get. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. What, what a great bonus. Thank you so much. That's it. That yeah. You're welcome. Thanks. Well, here we are. Yeah, no, thank you. I know. I think Cheryl and I are just like floored and trying to digest this all like, as I'm sure everybody else is listening. So guys keep peeling back the onion. We will be back in a few weeks with a new episode. Have a great day. guys. You have just finished another episode of Peeling the Onion podcast. Music is by Greg Dijazu. You can also stay in touch with us over Instagram at Peeling the Onion Podcast and on our website at peelingtheonionpodcast.com. We would love to receive your feedback on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Keep peeling back the onion.